You are listening to. You are listening to. You are listening to. Rural Voices, the Rural Youth Europe podcast. Hello and welcome to Rural Voices, the Rural Youth Europe podcast. And this episode is a Co-Coriado special. We are very proud to be partners on the Co-Coriado project. And if you have no idea what that is, then by the end of this episode, hopefully you will. This project aims to rebalance the position of the farmer in the food supply chain, basically attempting to make sure that the farmer is a key player within food systems and a really important part of us trying to find some innovative solutions is through our community of 40 ambassadors from across Europe. All the ambassadors came together for the first time in Brussels at the end of March for their first training session. I went along too, took my microphones along and got to speak to some of the partners and most importantly, the ambassadors. Let's have a listen at what's to come in the episode. There are very simple problems in life and then there are very complex problems. And that just so happens to be that once you start to think about food and agro-food systems, that is one of the most complex systems you can have. Everyone brings different troubles, different solutions. And when we work together, when we co-create the best solution from every profile, from every different background, I think we can really succeed and come with a with an idea that could work. Do you know that the world wastes roughly 40% of its food? Much of it is perfectly edible and nutritious. By reducing food waste just with 15%, could provide enough sustenance to feed more than 25 million people anyway. There is a proverb uh, in the permaculture, which is part of the zero waste philosophy, that says that there is no such things as waste, and every waste is a valuable resource. Pretty people eat ugly food. Are you pretty? So I am currently in London waiting to get the train over to Brussels for the first Cocoriado training event. I'm I'm really excited about this because I'm fascinated to see what it's going to be like having all 40 ambassadors all in one place. We've got a really diverse mix of people who are all somehow involved in the food supply chain. We've got farmers, we've got researchers and consultants, we've got ambassadors that are entrepreneurs and businessmen and women who who all have something to say about the food supply chain. And what's exciting is that the end game is attempting to co-create some solutions that that overcome some of the obstacles that farmers face, you know, as well as addressing the needs of the consumer at the same time. Food can be so personal, food can be so cultural, and yet when we are talking about food systems as a whole, we need to be taking into account economic, environmental and political factors. And It's all of this that make it a really complex topic and it will be really interesting to hear the thoughts of this unique group of people this week. Um, I've been sent the agenda for the week and I can see we have sessions on fair food systems and communication. We will be evaluating examples of novel food initiatives and I'll make sure we get some of those examples here on the podcast. And we'll also start to develop some new initiatives. It looks like it's going to be a packed few days. It's going to be busy. It's going to be good. I'm going to go catch the train. The next stop is Brussels. Find the gap between the train and the platform. 
here we are in Brussels for the first Co-Coriado training sessions. I'm here with Michaelis Grivins, a researcher at the Baltic Study Centre and one of the main organisers here. How are you feeling, Michaelis, you know, being here in person with all our ambassadors? Well, the feeling is quite strange. On the one hand, it's I feel that I have known them for some while already because I was heavily engaged in uh, making the selection of who will be ambassadors. Uh, so basically, I have seen their application videos. I have read their motivational texts. So, so sort of I know them. But then on the other hand, this is sort of the first moment when we actually meet them in person. And we have been preparing for this for two months. So, so actually, this feeling is sort of also nerve-wracking that that we have done this thing which we feel is quite interesting quite uh, promising and actually quite beneficial to everybody but you never know you you you, you once you get together it, it's always you can find things that you haven't thought through or things that are still missing but fingers crossed and we are hoping for the best <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it will all go smoothly. So what is your background then? H how are you involved in this project? Um, my background is I'm originally a researcher, uh, but uh, I have been engaged in this project since we actually came together to write a proposal. And uh, that was two years ago and actually it, it took place in Leuven, so a city just next them, uh, to Brussels. And we really early realized that uh, if we want, so one of the ideas of this project was that we want to change food systems. And what we realized that since food systems are so complex, we cannot use any, well, typical way to do it. We need to actually make sure that people on the ground are on board with us and willing to change things. So that's where the idea of Ambassadors Network was, uh, was uh, born. And uh, sort of, since we were very close, we sort of ended up doing that. And uh, and then it was still very vague ideas that we have to do it. And now we actually have to do it. Yeah. And, and I mean, we're here now, aren't we, with these 40 ambassadors. What is the main purpose of this, of this new network then? Well, I think it very much depends from which uh, angle you are looking at it. So if you are looking from European project, it's it's this is what we promised. But that's a very well, very lazy explanation. Uh, for me, it's uh, creating a, a network of people who would uh, first of all network. Uh, well, most of them are already highly achieving experts, and I think they would benefit from just getting to know other experts who are really engaged in the same field. Uh, but also. Uh, sharing knowledge, uh, sort of co-creation of, of ideas and uh, because as I said they are experts and together they can come up with uh, something really remarkable and since most of them already have some kind of initiatives on the ground they can really share what works what don't and then also we hope that this could uh, result in some new initiatives, hoping that people will, just from the fact that they are coming together, they are discussing, that we will see that something new emerges. Yeah, definitely. It, it really will be so interesting to see what happens when we get all of these people with different perspectives and ideas all in the same room. So, so this first training then, what are we aiming to get out of this one? You know, obviously they're all meeting each other for the first time. But what do we hope will be the main outcomes of this first training? It's tricky uh, because, well, of course, I think all three trainings are about uh, them getting to know each other and actually getting a sense of where 
are each other's strong sides and which are the weaknesses. Then on the other hand, uh, well, although we have specific themes for all three trainings, and first being uh, new initiatives, second being replicability, and third being, uh, well, political engagement, uh, I think the general overarching theme is how to make sure that even when we run out of funds when project ends how to make it work and i think that that's a big challenge for almost all of these good initiatives because we see that internet is full of various uh initiatives that have been uh created at some point and then they just die once they end uh, when the funding ends so although we have these cross-cutting themes identified in the project proposal for me i think it's, it's the goal is very early on to build leadership and to build sort of responsibility to make sure that even when we leave and our funds uh, are dried out we still have a network that actually of people who can rely on each other absolutely and and for people listening to this who maybe aren't too familiar with the project they're not ambassadors themselves but are interested in food supply chains and what we're getting up to with Cocoriado. When they're listening to the ambassadors and the rest of this episode, what are the kind of things you want them to be bearing in mind? What's the bigger picture here? For me, it's that there are very simple problems in life and then there are very complex problems. And that just so happens to be that once you start to think about food and agri-food systems, that is one of the most complex systems you can have. And uh, you will notice that these ambassadors come from very different perspectives, very different backgrounds, and they are coming with very different knowledge. And that just is an illustration of different structural perspectives they are bringing with them, but also different geographical, different cultural perspectives. So uh, that's, on the one hand, that's, of course, the biggest challenge, and that's why we often fail with change. But then on the other hand, it's also the biggest, most interesting aspect of it all because it, there is no one answer. You really, people can talk about completely different things and both could still be right and actually could work with uh, initiatives that could facilitate the transition towards more just and sustainable food systems. So I think this diversity is something that needs to be taken into consideration constantly. Yeah, absolutely. And finally, Michaelis, what is your message to the ambassadors, not just for this training, but for the rest of the project moving forward? What is your message to them to get the most out of it? For me, it's it's partly, I think, a lazy answer, but, but still, I think that's one of the most important things, that uh, although we are here to make these trainings work, actually, we cannot do it alone. And... Uh, and I think that it's always like that, that there needs to be somebody who actually takes charge of all the practical things that ensures that there is a place to stay during night when you are in the training, that there is a structure of lectures. But at the end, it's the people who are attending the lectures who actually makes the most or the least of it. So actually, you have to be engaged and you have to, well, we we might fail at some points, but also we might do something good. So, so try to, to yeah. identify the good things and not to sit on where we fail. Yeah, definitely. Um, thank you so much, Michaelis, for, for giving up your time. I hope you have a great few days here in Brussels. It's going to be fascinating. I'll let you get back to the training. Thank you. You are listening to... You are listening to... You are listening to... Rural Voices. The Rural Youth Europe 
podcast. Okay, so we've chatted enough about the ambassadors. Let's actually hear from them. Let's start with a couple interviews I recorded on day one with the ambassadors. And I've got a feeling that some of you who have followed the podcast from the start and are familiar with the Rural Youth Europe team over the last few years may recognise this first voice. Hello, my name is Anja Mager. Some of you might know me as a former board member of uh, Rural Youth Europe. I was the special interest board member, the, in my opinion, the, the most exciting position in the Rural Youth Board. Uh, but uh, right now I'm a farmer. I come from Slovenia. I'm also the president of Slovenian Rural Youth Association. And in my free time, I work as a controller for ecological farming. Amazing. It is so great to see you here, Anya. Um, so what drew you towards the Cocoriado project? What were your motivations behind applying to become an ambassador? Actually, my motivation was because I was in the board when we decided together with the team in the year, I think it was a two- 2019 when we decided to be part of this project as Rural Youth Europe and I was super excited about the topic it's a food chain it's something that uh, affects us all and it's something that we have problems with especially in Slovenia our food chain value it's uh, not working as it should be so I was really eager to be part of the project to see how things work in other countries Um, where are the tools where are the ideas how to improve the food value chain and how could this be implemented first maybe in Slovenia and maybe also general in Europe Mm, yeah so this whole network of 40 ambassadors then why is it important that a network like this exists it's important that uh, there are so many of us because each one of us comes from here with a different background we have farmers we have researchers we have consultants and everyone brings a different point of view on the food value of change everyone brings different troubles different solutions and when we work together when we co-create the best solution from every profile uh, from every different background I think we can really succeed and come with a with an idea that could work and we're on day one of the training you met some of the ambassadors last night during the day today so it's still very early days but talking about sharing ideas is there anything that you've already heard and picked up on from some of your fellow ambassadors that you're like okay that's inspiring that's really interesting is there anything that stands out to you already what I picked up it's interesting that we are actually facing the same challenges into all countries that are present here. So we are not alone in this, uh, in the problem of the food value chain. So we actually, if we, on one side, we have the same challenges, I'm quite convinced that we also can find the same solutions for that challenges. We just maybe then need to adapt them to our countries, to our regions. So I think that's kind of interesting. Mm, yeah, and I look forward to interviewing you later on at, at future trainings to, to talk more in depth about some of those solutions because because that's kind of the aim, isn't it? That's the plan. And I think we could speak because we were already during the first session, we came up with some good ideas, with some good best practices that are somewhere in Europe already existing. Yeah. So so can you share some of those best practices now? What were they? Interbranch organizations. Interbranch organization, I think, is something that... Uh, would definitely help to um, improve the communication between different stakeholders in the food value chain. So this is something that every 
country should consider. And in Slovenia, for example, interbranch organizations don't exist yet. That's why we have such so such big troubles to really communicate what is uh, the proper, what is the fair price for the products that has to be paid to the farmer. Because uh, usually farmers don't, um, when they calculate their price, they don't calculate also the, the cost of the work that they do. And this is something that every farmer should calculate in their own price. And uh, with interbranch organization, this is possible because with, within the interbranch organization, at least this is the, the aim of and the goal of the interbranch, interbranch organization is that the price is distributed equally and fair so that every stakeholder gets a fair price of, uh, yeah, for the products. And also every stakeholder should give an added value to the food. So not that you just buy, let's say, potatoes from the farmer and you increase the price and sell it. But you should, I don't know, process the potato or maybe give give the potato at different packages. So give it an added value and then you can also charge a bigger price. Brilliant. Well, I think it's so exciting that already you're having these discussions about some concrete solutions. Like, is that the end game? You know, is that end game always in your head? Are you already thinking about what can I do following these trainings to kind of facilitate some kind of change? That's the aim of being part of this project. Yeah. <laughs> We're not here just to communicate and mm. uh, to get to know each other. Of course, this is also a very important aim, but we really should think about how to improve the farmer positions in the in the chain. Brilliant. Well, I will let you get back to your coffee break, Anya. Thanks for chatting to me and I hope you have a great rest of your time in Brussels. Thank you, Dan, for this short but very nice interview. <laughs> I'm Anna, I'm from Germany and basically from the middle of Germany and I am a researcher and we look at short food supply chains and basically the logistical part of it. Yeah, I mean already I can see that you're incredibly qualified to be here as a researcher of short food supply chains. What, what made you want to become an ambassador? Because I wanted to work in an inter international environment again. I always I did it before and I always enjoyed it very much and I think you can learn from people around the world or in this case Europe so much so I'm really excited to be here. Yeah we were just hearing from Anya from Slovenia the importance of of having this network and sharing ideas and that one of the things that she's already picked up on is that regardless of what country you're from you're facing similar problems. It's uh, one thing is that it good to hear that you're not on your own yeah. and the second is and maybe um, some people have already found good solutions and we can copy them yeah definitely that's what it's all about um so on that theme then is there anything that you've heard from your fellow ambassadors so far today that you found really interesting yeah definitely i talked for example i talked to a guy from portugal and he also tries to build up short food supply chains with canteens and when municipalities mm -hmm. and we are trying to do the same he's doing it from a business point of view we are doing it from a research point of view but so we can share um, whatever we are doing because as I said again before that the problems are very similar even between Portugal and Germany 
And earlier we had a session where there was discussions about regional food chains and, and what the food chain is is like in your area. What what was your take on that? Um, it's This is actually a very difficult question because I look at uh, organic regional food, food supply chains, but if you talk from a uh, more general point of view, then it's the retail food yeah. chains, which are across Europe or the world. Um, so it always comes to what type of consumer yeah. are you and where are you buying? So you can easily be in your bubble and yeah. say, well, we in my region are so, um, gl- so local and we buy at markets and stuff. But it isn't true because if you ask another person from the same region, he says, I go to Aldi every day and I don't know where my food comes coming from yeah yeah exactly you know it is so personal and talking about the public not knowing where their food comes from we're literally now on a coffee break from just having a session all about communications how important do you think communications is how important do you think that you know all actors along the supply chain and more specifically farmers who are producing the food are involved in communicating what they do? I think communication is key. Um, personally, I'm not good at it because I'd rather work on my projects than talking about it. Yeah. But if you don't talk about it, you're not visible and people don't know what you do. And it's the same with farmers. So many farmers uh, in Germany don't have a website. So you Google them, but you cannot find them. You don't know what they do. You don't know what they produce or how they produce. And how can you make uh, yourself, how can you draw a picture of your region if you do not get the information? And the information today is found online. So we all have to improve. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you said just a moment ago that you personally aren't good at communicating. But I mean, over the last few minutes we've been talking, you've articulated what you've had to say so well. So, so, So hopefully these kind of sessions will be inspiring you to come up with the plan to help communicate what you do because you already clearly have those skills um, and with that you can you know have that end game of trying to facilitate that change moving forward. I just have to do it it's on my agenda for like at least one year to have uh, different Twitter accounts and also use Instagram and use Facebook and do it in a proper way. So I'm very glad that we have to do this communication plan because now I have to do it and then I can do it properly. And also for my research, but also for my volunteering work at home um, where I work with farmers and also for the same topics brilliant well i'm really pleased that you're already finding it useful i'll let you get back to your coffee break um i hope you have a great rest of your time here in brussels thank you a massive thank you to both anna and anya for giving up some of your time during the training to have a chat It's so great to hear them already taking stuff away from the sessions, right? One of the big tasks here in Brussels for all the ambassadors is to evaluate and assess some novel farming initiatives that have been found across Europe that are already out there doing great work to enhance the position of the farmer and improve their connection with the consumer. 
We had loads of these examples and I want to share some of these with you here on the podcast. Before I hand over to the ambassadors, there was one initiative that really stood out to me because it's actually coordinated directly by one of our Rural Youth Europe member organisations. Wales YFC have a really innovative scheme which is there to support Welsh sheep farmers. It's called the Wales YFC Lamb Initiative and it's a collaboration between Wales Young Farmers and a meat processor as well as the supermarket Sainsbury's. The partnership provides the opportunity for Wales YFC members to supply their Welsh lamb to Welsh Sainsbury's stores at a premium price all year round. And not only that, the scheme creates an income stream for the movement as well, as Sainsbury's directly contributes 40p per lamb sold, on top of the price that the member receives to Wales YFC. 10p of that goes directly to the specific county federation. So it's not only supporting the next generation of sheep farmers in Wales and helping them get a fair price for their lamb, but also supports Wales YFC itself, which which makes the whole system way more sustainable. So that was one of my favourite initiatives that we heard about. I think it's really cool and I'm sure will inspire other member organisations to to see whether they could do something similar with retailers in their own countries. The ambassadors were evaluating lots of different schemes on the sustainability and also how replicable they are too. They were asked to pitch their favourites to the rest of the group and here is some of what they had to say. Landare, remember this name? Are uh, the novels that we decided, uh, and this guy, they're a non-profit, and uh, they're an organization that is aiming of giving access to healthy organic food at affordable price, and with respect to the environment that we are all living in. Consumption is, se- consumption is seasonal in order to give a cheaper price. It is very convenient because the purchase of fresh products is made directly from the producers in the shops that are all around the country. And in order to keep the products with lower prices, the organization requires that each of the consumers devotes two hours of their time per year in order to work in the shops. Or the consumer can decide to give 30 euros per year uh, and not to spend those two hours. And this decision is made in order to not hire more employees. And this is a way to keep the prices lower. But on the other side, um, based on the uh, feedback that we got from a person that have uh, even worked there uh, from our group in this Landare organization, um, most people decide to devote their time. So this means building also awareness about the whole process about how food arrives to us. Thank you, Landare. This is Spain. Hi, this is my colleague Carlo, and today we'll be talking about the, uh, the Barna Farmers Market in Bulgaria. Okay, so you all know farmers markets. Yeah, it's uh, generally they connect consumers and producers. Uh, it brings uh, consumers into the food production sphere. Uh, but this market is very different because not only does it have really local food and it's very regional and uh, it supports these small and local producers but it also provides a place for the wider sphere than just food. Okay, It brings in artists and musicians uh, and these other types of entertainment that attracts consumers who maybe aren't interested in food but it brings them to this place. 
The farmers in this market are mostly organic. It also provides a, a hub for farmers to share information on their systems and to share information with other farmers. So they can share seeds, for example, of local varieties. Uh, they can share knowledge on how they're farming and, and how to be more efficient and sustainable. Hello, I'm uh, Grzegorz and I would like to uh, present uh... Slovenian initiative uh, called Zelena Teczka, uh, in English uh, Green Point, and it's a regional uh, food uh, supply chain uh, founded by farmers. Um, uh, create a common uh, distribution center, and uh, it's the initiative which uh, we evaluate uh, highest uh, for tourism. Firstly, because um, there are over 100 farmers who participated in this project. And I know that in my personal experience that it isn't easy to gather together uh, uh, a lot of uh, farmers, yes, and they have uh, over 100 farmers. And the second reason is that, uh, the second reason is that uh, in the project, um, they establish a system based on uh, blockchain technology where uh, consumers uh, can identify who grew a particular uh, vegetable by scanning QR code, yes? And it's uh, innovative, especially in agriculture, I think. And of course, it could be uh, replicated and uh, scaling up uh, in other country. And uh, the project called Zelena Teczka Greenpoint. Thank you. Okay, so this will be the last time I'm speaking. So now guys, you can close your eyes if you want. We're not going to meditate, this will be very short. But imagine a place where you find local products directly offered by the producers or farmers. Now I see nobody close their eyes, but you probably think of a place in your country because you probably have such. But the products that you have chosen, you get in a basket with local recipes and traditions, agricultural practices, knowledge about the product, and great ideas of how to cook, consume those products in a zero waste way. As earlier somebody mentioned the zero waste philosophy, basically consume those products without leaving the peels of, let's imagine, uh, apple or a cucumber or whatever. Uh, so without any waste. And if you do not have such place, don't worry. If you do not have it in your country, there it is. They have it in Portugal. It's called Roof Promote and Sell. Roof Promote and Sell. And I have to turn. So uh, these guys have reached most cities in Portugal and have built clusters of three to five, to five farmers in each region. And the idea of these clusters are only sharing ideas and valuable knowledge. The innovative aspects are the seminars and trainings, workshops, and the real focus on sharing knowledge through which they build awareness in the whole community about food and healthy, sustainable living. Do you know that the world wastes roughly 40% of its food? Much of it is perfectly edible and nutritious. By reducing food waste just with 15% could provide enough sustenance to feed more than 25 million people annually. Do you know what Fruit Affair is? The project aims to combat market inefficiency by creating an alternative market for the ugly fruit and vegetables that can change the consumption patterns. It creates the market that generates value for farmers and consumers and combats both food waste and the unnecessary expenditure of resources used in its production. By selling these products, Fruit Affair enables the 
education of the consumer not only on the matter of the food waste but also on the valorization of the local production. What are the benefits of Fruit Fair? It's direct fight with the food waste, saving a lot of production. They're raising awareness uh, on the topic of the food waste and it's easy to replicate uh, in each country. The Fruit Fair is now located in Portugal but it can be everywhere. Uh, there is a proverb uh, in the permaculture, which is part of the zero waste philosophy, that says that there is no such things as waste and every waste is a valuable resource. Pretty people eat ugly food. Are you pretty? <laughs> Thank you. You are listening to. You are listening to. You are listening to. Rural Voices, the Rural Youth Europe podcast. So we are now joined by two more of our ambassadors, and they're both also a part of our Rural Youth Europe network from Finnish Full H. So do you guys want to start by introducing yourselves? All right. Thanks for having us. Um, my name is Daniel. Um, I work in uh, 4H Finland, which is a youth organization with a long historic background uh, considering agriculture and and then nature and, and food. So I think this Cocorado project sort of fits rather well uh, what we do, even though we have maybe this bit different approach compared to some other, other participants who have this farming background. But I'm happy to be here. I work as a service designer, so I hope I some of my skills can be can be used uh, during this, this project. Amazing. Right, what about yourself, Eni? Thank you. Uh, I, my name is Enni and I'm a, uh, yes, I'm part of Finnish 4H and also Finnish Scout Organization. And I'm study, studying biology, so I'm, I'm still a student. So yeah, excited to be here. <laughs> and what, what motivated you to want to become an, an ambassador? Well, I was really curious about the challenges uh, in food pro- production in Europe. And I think this is a great opportunity to share expertise and learn from each other and gain no, new skills and everything. So, yeah, that's that's how I ended up here. And Daniel, now that we're at the end of the training and you can look back at the last few days, wh- why do you think it's important that this network exists and, and what have you got out of the last few days? Um, well, I've, I've always been uh, super, like... Uh, pro-Europe cooperation and and I think especially when it comes to young people these kind of things are really important um, you know places to remind us that they are like uh, like like-minded individuals all around the Europe and that's where the magic happened when we can actually meet each other and and it it has been so interesting during these these three days to hear about all the so inspiring you know cases going on at at the moment and and i think um you you obviously could read about them in 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 internet but like uh it they are just mu- much more vivid when you hear straight from the people's you know from from their own experience so i i think that has been the most um rich part of all this and and you mentioned Daniel that you've heard from inspiring people over the last few days is there anything that stands out from your fellow ambassadors in particular 
Well, um, the uh, the ambassador from Latvia, I I I, I was so inspired by uh, by the fact that she she is basically a pioneer of uh, online uh, grocery shopping in in her country, and and she how 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 she came up with uh, with the idea to start this kind of webshop was a personal need as a mother, and 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 we. It, even on the first day we shared rather interesting discussion about like my my uh, expertise when it comes to customer based uh, service de- development and and her like needs maybe so i i'm really looking forward uh, maybe sharing some thoughts with her and obviously like i i i think these kind of you know um encounters are the are the are the like assault of of this whole thing yeah so that's that's what you know popped to my mind as first but obviously like many 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 examples i hope we could share those things you know somewhere because obviously i i think i i at least forgot got some of those you know great things there has been a lot of information during these few days <laughs> yeah no there really really has been a lot um and, and that's so cool that you, you found it so interesting hearing how the ambassador from Latvia started her business and and her reasons behind it from start to finish so so any did did you find the training interesting in that it helped you understand the whole cycle of the food supply chain especially when we're thinking about coming up with new initiatives and these seed initiatives yeah definitely because it seemed like people had so so many great ideas that only are needed to take into practice there were several and i'm really looking forward to what the outcomes of the project because i think we can we can make something huge and really make the change yeah absolutely and 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 so thinking about the future and the next steps obviously we have another training in october later on in the year and the ultimate aim is to help facilitate change when it comes to shortening the food supply chain is there anything in particular moving forward that you want to investigate further so you know that we can do that what i what i personally uh, would find really interesting is you know to maybe have some kind of like uh, investigation or information about what are the actual reasons why uh, european consumers are sort of like uh, not maybe that connected to the uh, farmers and the ones who actually produce the food uh, even though it seems that in Europe we have this like strong culture of being proud about our food and the things we consume everyday basis but like um, when one comes from the service design background I, I always want you know to dive deep in the head of those who are we actually targeting so we are we have room filled with the farmers and 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 researchers and people who are rather involved with the food um, production but like the consumers i think at the moment are missing missing link at the moment even though we are all consumers ourselves but maybe not as neutral uh as as some like um how that would be yeah that's true and also consumers are a really important part of the food supply chain yeah exactly they are they are the ones who we are trying yeah, to convince yeah. right that's true so that's that's how we could uh bring consumers and farmers closer to each other if we understand the root uh conse- like root reasons why why things are like this yeah and the like food is part of everyday life so i can imagine that like um it it can also you know keep keys of the making life better in in many other aspects as well 
Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Uh, well, thank you very much, both of you, for, for joining me here on the podcast. I really hope you have a safe journey home and back to Finland. And I'll see you later on in the year in Pampelona in Spain. Yay! <laughs> really looking forward to that. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So my name is Sarah. I'm from Belgium. Uh, I live in Brussels and I have a background in uh, molecular science. Uh, specifically, I studied molecular nutrition and toxicology uh, at the Wageningen University in the Netherlands. So everything that's related to food and health on a molecular level, that's kind of what it uh, contains. Uh, right now I'm doing much more practical work, applied work. Um, like I love, I love food and I love um, like the craft of it. So um, where craft meets food and science in the middle is sort of fermentation. And that's the thing I'm really passionate about. So um, at the moment I'm working at two different projects, two different places. Uh, one is in Brussels and I'm part of this really small company and we do everything around fermented foods. So it can be from making some stuff ourselves like kimchi and selling it to um, doing caterings for events where we try to buy the food and make for them, give them some kind of a message of, okay, what you're eating is actually fermented and uh, can be cool, it can be nice, doesn't have to be alien or like you're not going to die from it because people have a lot of like assumptions when they think about microbes, fungus, yeah. and uh, overall I, s I still see like people are hesitant. So um, that's one part of the things I do. Um, then on the other hand, I'm also working at a restaurant uh, in another city in, uh, uh, in Belgium. And um, for them, I also make fermented foods, but a bit more like the, the tricky things that perhaps the chef in the restaurant is not familiar with. Uh, mostly uh, growing koji mm -hmm. for the restaurant. And koji is like this uh, Japanese fungus that you grow on rice or another grain. Uh, and that's the starter for making things like uh, soy sauce and miso. And it has a lot of applications that are still, I think is a topic that's still coming up in the higher gastronomy for the moment. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, it's much more, it becomes more mainstream, but it's still like um, in these fields where there's a lot of exploration. And I try to take these old techniques and then apply it to the local ingredients. So we try to source grains um, from Belgium or uh, beans, and then I try to make, for example, a miso that has not soy in it like normally, but then I use like lentils or something like that. Um, so try to like a bit like explore with flavor. Yeah, no, yeah, that is so cool. And I, I find your background really interesting because with the different projects you work on, you're involved in several different parts of the food supply chain. So, so is that part of the reason you wanted to be involved in the project? Yeah, for sure. Because uh, I've also, in the in the time that I've been both studying and working, I've worked at different parts. Uh, so I've really seen the research background. But during my time in university, I also worked for an NGO. Mm -hmm. And they uh, their aim was to prevent food waste. So that's like yet another part. They were much more focused on policy. Yeah. Um, and then I've also worked at bakery so I and they like had this straight 
uh, line with like the farmer who grew the green. And then I worked for a, a zero waste job um, that had like direct suppliers. Uh, and then now with the things I do, it's much more, yeah, the end part of the food chain. But for some of the things I do, I'm still in straight direct contact with the farmers, but then I'm also making the end product. So I've seen, even though I'm not like particularly specialized in one part, I've seen different parts and I've seen like there is like a disconnection between like different parts in the chain. And that's something I feel like it's uh, appearing a bit like everywhere. If I talk to also the other participants um, and that's for sure something I wanted to learn more about to see how it can be better connected somehow. Yeah, yeah. So you talk about the supply chain needing to be better connected. What, what are some of those key challenges, do you think, that, that you face? Yeah, it's um, like in the field that I'm working, so more towards the end of the of the food supply chain now, it's like um, logistics. It's yeah. like really tough. Also, if you, it's really hard to find these farmers that are actually willing to do this. There are much, I, I guess there are a lot of farmers who really want to do like short chain and stuff but it's really hard to find them mm -hmm. so for what i do now i find them through my network the people i get across yeah. but just like that and especially if you're a consumer to find like a farmer that is willing to um like grow their vegetables in a certain way or um that you can buy it directly and uh it doesn't fall on your doorstep just like that. And that's something that is really a challenge, I think. Yeah, exactly. And do you think that a lot of it comes down to communication between different actors in, in the supply chain and having better communication? I think that's super important, yeah. I think often, um, you know, the requirement that a baker has for their flour or like the quality that they aim for, often the farmer doesn't know perhaps uh, what how they should process their wheat to meet that standard that the baker asked for. Um, and perhaps if they would communicate with each other, it would be different. And, but to let them communicate, it's also not so easy because yeah, everybody has their own way of working has their own systems that they optimize to get the most efficient out of it, efficient way out of it. And um, people are really stubborn if it comes to change. And there is so much, I think that's that's really a really tough part of the the problems in the food system. Now, pe people are just, people assume like a status quo. While I think agriculture and like how people have lived in general and climate and stuff, stuff have been always changing. It's been dynamic and people have always adapted to it. But I think it's sort of a very recent thought that people are just, in a situation that they want to stick to and they are very it's very hard to let go of some things and, and change yeah yeah absolutely it's it, it's a difficult one um and thinking about the last few days as a whole is there anything from your fellow ambassadors that you learn or you found inspiring i just find it like people are very open to start with i love that um and just the amount of knowledge people have i'm i've been so like amazed by what people all know and on which levels they work and um, how diverse it is. And I think in the group, we have so much capacity, we have so much knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's just really impressed me. I think in particular, 
Daniel from Ireland. Mm-hmm. He's really, for me, stood out in the way that he knows so much. <laughs> he knows so much. And um, he's also very calm about it. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's, it's amazing. And then he told me about this crop they grow, um, duckweed. And it's like a huge potential for filtering the water, but also as a crop that contains like amount, similar amounts of protein and soy. Yeah. So for, yeah, it's pot- potentially can have a lot of applications for like uh, improving the environment, but also as a, as a nutrient source. And th- that's for me, um, yeah, it was something like that to see like, yeah, we do have this kind of stuff very close, that's forgotten. I think a lot of stuff, practices or ingredients are also just forgotten by uh, all the upscaling and industrialization process along the way. Um, yeah, so that was something that in particularly I, I was amazed by. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Well, I, I think we've got a lot more to learn from each other throughout the course of the rest of the project. And I very much look forward to continuing to cover that on the podcast. Thank you so much, Sarah, for, for having this chat uh, with me. Now, now the training event is now over and um, you don't have very far to get home, do you, living in Belgium? No, I just have my bike with me and then uh, I will take the metro. <laughs> amazing. Thank you so much. that's it we have come to the end of our first co-coriado special episode of rural voices thanks again to daniel Eni, and sarah for those chats reflecting back on the last few days that we've had here in brussels one of the main things i think we are all taking away from this first training session is how strong and knowledgeable this network of ambassadors are and now we all know each other we've had a great introduction to the project and we've started to get the ball rolling on starting to develop some new sustainable initiatives. I can't wait to see where the project goes and where the ambassadors take their ideas. We have our next training in Pamplona in Spain this October, so look out for another Cocoriado podcast episode then. In the meantime, make sure you have a follow on all of the Cocoriado social media accounts. They're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn and Instagram. You will see more info on all the ambassadors and all the news and updates with the project. You are listening to. You are listening to. You are listening to. Rural Voices. The Rural Youth Europe Podcast.